Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This is Martina Navratilova. I'm Mats Wilander. This is Mary Carrillo. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. Hi, this is Andrew Greenoff, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. <laughs> they didn't know that this was a 14-day tournament. Everywhere ran out of all food. It was a salad bar in the canteen with no salad in it. it was, there was just quinoa and meat. It's not a salad. <laughs> and on that note, let's start the final tennis podcast of the 2019 US Open. Catherine, just giving a little bit of insight there into US Open Stitch tennis up. problems uh, and behind-the-scenes issues with food ending 24 hours early. Uh, the reason we are talking to it's you... It's a fish bowl with no fish. I mean, what? Uh, <laughs> salad bar with literally no vegetables on it we are sitting here in the i know everyone's heart is bleeding for me right now with the world's smallest violin we're sitting in the media bar and it's following that extraordinary five set epic four hours and 51 minutes between rafael nadal and daniel medvedev rafael nadal has just won his 19th grand slam singles title the voice you heard in your intro there was that of andrew greenoff who is one of our kickstarter backers so thank you andrew he was in the stadium today in tennis podcast t-shirt go on andrew go on andrew uh, representing us and uh, he's one of the people who backed us in our kickstarter crowdfunding effort at the end of last year so that we could do all of these podcasts this year to hire matt to send him to australia to send him well we didn't actually ask money to send him to Paris. We just sent him because we liked <laughs> we liked the idea of doing it. And we want him back here next year with us in person, Matt, if we can. Um, but that's for next year. And we will start our crowdfunding effort on December the 1st for 2020. We are not stopping here, folks. We are going full <laughs> on. Um, but yeah, we've got, a, we've got an epic match to talk about, Catherine. And Ooh. it was, it really is, you know, before we started talking with the, the record button pressed, you said to me, I don't know what I'm going to say. What I'm going to say, and and I, I've seen this before with massive stories in the past. I remember when Tiger Woods won the Masters earlier this year, and and I listened to a golf podcast called No Laying Up, and and I couldn't wait to find out what they were going to say about it. And, and you could just feel that they were really struggling to put it into words because so much had happened, and, and I feel a bit like that right now. Yeah, um, I feel like the moments 
the intervening moments between the match finishing and the presentation ceremony starting summed it all up um, incidentally those moments are an awful lot longer than they used to be aren't they it takes them takes them a heck of a long time to set up that stage and everything I, I, I don't think much of the uh, the presentation generally actually N- no of which more to follow but um, yeah the the, the, <laughs> the slowness of them setting up the presentation just so happened to create for me one of the most moving moments I've ever seen what was that really because I, I missed some of that so so do fill me in I mean, on one hand, you know, just the face of Daniil Medvedev sat there heartbroken and I was expecting that to be the story, really. We saw Rafael Nadal go off court um, for an outfit change. All right. Um, uh, presumably because he was soaked right the way through with sweat and then came, came, back on, came back on court and sat there as they projected onto the big screens a video montage of each of his 19 Grand Slam wins and... That is the most emotional I've ever seen, Rafael Nadal. I couldn't, I couldn't believe what I was seeing, honestly. I really, really couldn't. And then minutes later, there was this wonderful moment from Daniil Medvedev during that ceremony when he was giving his runners-up speech when he said, I was just sat there thinking, this guy's won 19 Grand Slams and they're showing a video montage of those 19 Grand Slams. What would they have shown if I would have won? <laughs> And and somebody at the USTA out there that's listening to this podcast, I, there must be somebody. Somebody knows. Somebody listening to this podcast knows the answer to that question. There is a VT out there that will never see the light of day that I, I need to know. Do you know, do you know something that, that I did today in conversation with Stuart Fraser on Twitter is we both revealed a couple of our pre-prepared tweets that sat in our drafts <laughs> from massive moments in the past. His was uh, when Heather Watson was about to beat Serena Williams at Wimbledon uh, four years ago. And mine just said, he's just won 21. 21. And that's the best of the best of the lot. And that was going to be when Roger Federer sealed victory at Wimbledon. Uh, sorry, folks, if you uh, if that hurts, but that's what I did. Um, but whoever is out there, whoever's got that VT, do tweet it <laughs> so we can have a watch of it because I want to <laughs> see it. And it, just do it anyway. It's fine. Because uh, what Stuart was saying is that he wrote 750 words at two <gasps> sets to love for Nadal to try to get into the British papers, which would have been... I'm trying to think, you know... The Times have the latest deadline, don't they? Yeah, they do. A I mean, there press, were, so four o'clock match starts, nine o'clock UK time, two and a half hours in. You're thinking it's going to be three straight sets, and and that he's going to write that piece, and and so I imagine it just it, it doesn't make the paper tomorrow. Simple as that. I mean, you know, obviously the world has changed. It's it's a much it, more digital age. It can live in a non-existent archive with the Daniil Medvedev winners VT. <laughs> what what would they have shown? Cincinnati, maybe? I, I mean, if they didn't show him getting booed <laughs> and saying, when you sleep at night. <laughs> Would it just be a highlights reel of him being aggro? I mean, it, 
if, if that's not in it... If him sticking his choice finger up to the New York crowd. <laughs> if that wouldn't be in it, because the crowd would have bloody loved that, wouldn't they? Yeah. If that had not have been in it, something would have been wrong in their production values, is all I can say. It's what I'd have put in there. <laughs> I mean, it's the only thing you would have put in there. <laughs> yeah. You'd have ignored the tennis, you would. You'd have been all... I like his tennis too. Okay, well, let's let's rewind. Let's go back to the beginning of the match between uh, Daniel Medvedev and Rafael Nadal, which, for two and a half sets, I described in my BBC Radio report after the match as hard-earned but efficient. That's that's how it felt to that point. It wasn't a walkover. I mean, this was, what was it, 7-5, 6-3, and then he was a break-up for 3-2, something like that. Yep, two um, sets and a break. You know, and... If Nadal had closed it out right then, I would have said, well, you know, Medvedev hasn't rolled over. He's put up a good performance. He's just not hes just not good enough. He's not good enough against this particular opponent with this particular style. Styles make matches. And the fear was that the the top spin would, would just be too much for this flat-hitting, non-explosive big hitter. And that was wrong <laughs> because it changed. And trying to put your trying to put your finger on exactly why it changed, I find very interesting because it, because it was clearly a combination because Nadal really did tighten. It was a combination, but not quite as clear cut a combination as it was last night with Andrescu and Serena Williams. Where it felt in equal measure, Andrescu tightened up and Serena loosened up. It wasn't wasn't as clear as that. I didn't I I didn't think anyway. No. No, it, it, it wasn't the I mean, Medvedev told us, didn't he, that he was preparing his speech and his mind. <laughs> which, <laughs> his, his loser's speech. Which I'm sure Which, which got an airing. Yeah, and I'm sure it helped that he, he did loosen up at that point, you know, fearing the end was nigh. But he did start... Well, I, I said something to you guys that I can't repeat on the tennis podcast without earning myself an, ex, ex, uh, uh, an explicit tag um, but the gist of, of it is that Medvedev just decided screw it I'm going for it it was the equivalent to me of what he did in Cincinnati with the serve against Djokovic yep. I'm getting getting my clock cleaned here with my normal game I'm just going to hit first serves on both serves and this time he started to serve and volley like on second serves um, at the, the, my favourite bit was when he, he hit a serve, and, a serve and volley and it was out then he served and volleyed on second serve and it was a let and then he served and volleyed again on second serve and he won the point and I mean what are you doing? He served and volleyed on a second serve at match point down into Nadal's forehand <laughs> that is everything I need Just it's everything the- that tennis needs it's someone prepared to do that yeah and not look ridiculous doing it I'm, there are people that have done it over the years and you've gone oh god it's just a sort of measure of the desperation that people feel against the big three it didn't feel like that tonight it just felt like a guy that was prepared to stand up and go toe to toe not just physically and technically but mentally yeah. with Rafael Nadal and he came up 1% short but to come up 1% short to Rafael Nadal, possibly the greatest competitor in any sport, is incredible. I would say he... What he achieved tonight is he very nearly within the most 
tiny margin, he very nearly made Nadal crumble. Choke. Choke, crumble, you know, in front of our very eyes. Nadal's two sets to love up. He's a breakup. He's only ever lost at a slam once from two sets to love up in 206 previous matches. That was against Fabio Fanini here. And the difference is that back then, Rafael Nadal wasn't playing very well. He was he was he got the yips. He was yeah. he, he was leaving his forehand shorts. Uh, Fanini was able to dominate him. I know he tightened here, but he was playing well. I mean, Medvedev stood up to him and took him on. And watch, and that's why it, it was quite reminiscent of the night before to watch this young player stand up to an all-time great and just say, "Come on, then." That's what we've been waiting for, isn't it? So I know we saw it with with uh, Sitsipas against Federer at the Australian Open, and I guess a little bit with Team at the French Open. I still don't think Team. I still think Team has an imposter syndrome. Team more here last year, actually. I would actually, say agreed. Actually, yeah, which is a weird and bizarre thing but I still think there's an imposter syndrome with team um, on, on clay particularly. on clay that that Medvedev Certainly just doesn't Roland have Garros anyway but, but Medvedev clearly his brain doesn't work like all of these other players he is a bit strange in, a, in, in, the, in the nicest possible way I really don't mean that as an insult to him he, he doesn't he doesn't limit himself by logic he doesn't see any reason why he can't change things around, move the force. And I love that. I love the fact that he was two sets in a breakdown and he thought, it's not working. I'm not giving up. I'm just going to do something different. And he came up with a completely different set of tactics and he, he took it to Nadal and you saw Nadal tighten and he outlasted him in the third set. Takes it into a fourth set. And by the end of that fourth set, I mean... Nadal almost looked gone. It was a backhand clean winner down the line that won it for Medvedev in that fourth set. Um, he started I, playing down his down the line backhand yeah. a lot more, didn't he? That was down, a, down both flanks actually yeah. as well. And and yeah, well, actually, you could probably say he took a bit of the Djokovic to him and backed himself. And the crowd started chanting Medvedev, Medvedev. I mean, then another section of them, a massive section of them, started chanting Rafa, Rafa. It was fantastic. It was one of the great atmospheres out there. And but then they started booing Medvedev again when Nadal got the um, the time point. That, well, no, you got second serve penalty I think were, I for the were, time violation. When they booing the umpire more than and they boo the umpire when the umpire went up to collect his. Um, little award that the umpires get for for officiating the final but they did boo Medvedev a little bit because he had been he had been challenging the umpire on the time that Nadal takes and I mean, I'm not going to say much on it because it shouldn't it shouldn't be a big feature of our discussion about the final but he takes too long he takes too long um, it's oh, it's the same old trope isn't it it's the uneven and inconsistent application of the time rule even with the shot clock because there's still this variation about when umpires start the shot clock and actually Medvedev is complaining about the fact that it wasn't even about Nadal's serve Medvedev is complaining that he's delaying me hitting my serve and the rule there is very clear right. you play at the service pace and look they did penalise him got, three minutes in didn't they they did they did Look, and I've got no issue with Nadal on it 
that's how he plays that's how he wants to do it if he's going to be allowed to play that way he's going to take advantage and do it but he is too slow and I find that a problem for tennis um yeah, tennis needs I mean, to step maybe, up. Yeah. And I know Dan- I, Daniela feels really strongly that that rule shouldn't be applied in the fifth set, that it's not fair, um, given everything physically that they're dealing with, they should be allowed more time. Fine, change the rule so that in a fifth set or after a certain period of time, you're allowed more time between serves. But every player. But d- for every player, and don't, don't make it about the application of the rule, make it about what yeah. the rule is. Anyway. No, I'd agree. Um, going, I mean, look, I... The one thing I find quite hard to do here is remember all the really important junctures of the match. Um, but I remember moments, you know, there are the things just stick out. And Nadal has that incredible ability to just dust himself down again. And that's what he did in the, the fifth set. But I don't feel like I've seen him that stressed since the 2008 Wimbledon final when when he choked there was the one time he choked when he was leading Federer and he should have closed it out earlier and he didn't and he still won he still won so so many similarities yeah there there are loads of similarities and I just found it fascinating watching what Medvedev pushed him to the levels he took him to and then when Medvedev hitting out the way he did then started to realised that his own game could actually cope with Nadal I think maybe something was coming off Nadal's game because of tightness as, as the match wore on and some people that the, the it's it creeping into the night and it getting a lot cooler right was also a factor changes the conditions yeah. but the one thing I was saying to, I said to Pat Cash and, and he, he really pondered this for a little while but after a couple of minutes I think he, he, he ended up agreeing with the points which was let's not forget Medvedev has only ever played Nadal once before for two sets, and those sets were 6-3, 6-love. So he's not used to it. He's not used to that ball, that incredibly hard-hit top spin ball. He's, he, there's no way you can replicate that. There's nobody else who does it. And he also has never faced it in a Grand Slam final. He's never even been in a Grand Slam final. So it's not really that surprising that he finds himself two sets to love down. What's interesting is how he started to get used to it and sets three, four, and five, he was he was on a, an even keel, partly because Nadal had regressed a little, partly because Medvedev had just gone for it and started connecting, but I also think partly because he just got used to it and, and he was able to judge what the ball was going to do when it looped up and hit the ground, hit the deck and jumped up. And, and he was stepping in. He was taking backhands almost on the half volley and blasting them cross-court, down the line, you name it. Oh, it was just so much fun. Yeah, well, yeah, fun's the word, isn't it? And I think what you said about him sort of not um, not bothering about logic is... Uh, I've just been thinking about that. I, f- I think that's really interesting because I was really struggling to find a pundit that gave Medvedev any hope today. And I was really aware that I'm a, I'm a bit biased about Medvedev because I feel like he's spoken to me in the past two weeks at this US Open. I just re- I really, really have loved those celebrations. His defiance, his charm in that defiance, and I am fully aware of his rap sheet and I, it's it's not good. Um, I give him a bit of mitigation, mitigation because he acknowledges that and um, 
as in his own words, is aiming to be a better person. But just his attitude towards everything, I have completely endorsed and loved. So I'm aware that I was fully aware that I was maybe maybe a bit too on board the Medvedev train. But I just thought, he's got you all fooled here. He's smarter than all of us. He's he's not tired. He's not injured. I know he's got that kinesio tape all over every part of his body. But which was hilarious. He's fine. It, he's had that for the last six weeks. It was, he's, on, he's, it was on his right bicep. The, the, and it was <laughs> what I loved was that it was red, and it was stretched down his from his shoulder down to his sort of forearm. This this red plaster kinesio tape, and it started to curl with the sweat. <laughs> and, and you know, like, it's like somebody somebody put a new one on for him, will you? Because he looks ever so silly. But he just sat there looking dishevelled. I mean, he he he, he looked dishevelled from game two. If you looked up dishevelled in the dictionary, Daniel Medvedev sitting there. He looked like a strange combination between a young boy and an elderly man on his last legs yeah. from about the second game. This. We just all need to accept that this is how Daniil Medvedev looks during tennis matches. Steve Brenner It doesn't said, mean he's exhausted. Steve Brenner said he's the Rodney Trotter of tennis. <laughs> <laughs> if you've ever seen Only Fools and Horses, you'll know what we mean. Uh, if you haven't, oh, that's Google so it. so good. Um, but the thing is, he's kind of cool because he's not cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's one of those. Um, but the... It, but he's disarming isn't he he's, he's not yeah. playing possum because he's not playing at anything but that's how we're all being played inadvertently because two days off you know before the semi-finals that was more time off than he's had in the past year probably I mean that's fine that's all Daniil Medvedev needs to recharge you know kinesio tape on his non-existent bicep no biggie we, Daniil we, is fine we came out of the stadium look folks and there'll be a few of you thinking get on to giving Rafael Nadal some credit will you we will don't worry um, but we, we came out of the stadium um, to, to record this and we had to buy something called a honey deuce first grey goose honey juice yeah and we're drinking that at the moment and hence why the room is spinning around for me <laughs> um we, we met Renata and Erica, who are tennis podcast listeners, fans, they said, which, I mean, was, was, was really nice for us to hear. And, and I was asking them, you know, what, what did they come to, who were they supporting in the final? And they said, well, we started by not supporting anybody, but we ended supporting Medvedev. And they said they admitted, look, we are Federer fans. And I said, well, are you are you supporting Medvedev then because you want to stop Nadal reaching 19 and getting close to Federer? And they said, no, honestly, not really. I mean, you know, but by the end, Medvedev had won us over. And I and I think there would have been a lot of people watching on the telly, um, watching in the stadium, who who would have started that match either not knowing too much about him or being completely irritated by his behaviour a week ago because not everybody liked it you know the, the my mum didn't like it did she not? no I finally got to talk to her the other day and she said why have you why have you gone so big on Daniil Medvedev? what does your dad think? I haven't asked Med- I, Med- if my dad doesn't want Daniil Medvedev on the boat then we're going to I don't understand the boat that's a big statement. Well, I tell you, I want to know that. I want to know the answer to that. Where does Daniel Medvedev sit in the boat? My mum, dad and Rosie are currently on a boat. Right. So, so is I'll the find out. Is the room for Daniel <laughs> is the big <laughs> question. Okay, we'll get back to you on that, folks. Um, 
So yeah, I, I can really believe. I mean, we were you got a bit a, a bit irate at me for for suggesting that maybe Medvedev winning wouldn't be the best result in the world because I I thought the 19 narrative was good. Oh look, I mean, I I I was crying in the studio watching Nadal's reaction. I'm 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 overwhelmed with happiness for him really I mean I'm so I'm so easily I'm so um, obvious I suppose it's it's as soon as they reveal to us what it means to them yeah that matters doesn't it, it, it yeah it makes them human to me the sort of the, I always talk about relatability and I know that just just because they don't necessarily always show it to us doesn't mean it doesn't mean anything but yeah. I, I do like I do like to see it yeah and we saw it I really don't think I've ever seen seen anything like that tonight, and I and I think that had a lot to do with Daniil Medvedev. He made it mean more to him. Does that make sense? Well, he pushed Nadal to a place that not many sports people can go that aren't at that level. He made Nadal go somewhere pretty dark and unpleasant to to pull it down and win that match. I I couldn't do that. I mean, I, I don't obviously. I'm I'm no sports person. I don't I don't have any athletic skill. But I mean, my point is that I think <laughs> I think that the very best sports people who are champions there are there are many brilliant sports people around who don't become champions. Those that get to the level of Nadal and Djokovic and Serena and. Federer, it's not just about how well they hit the ball. They are prepared to go somewhere that hurts and makes makes their nerves shred, and they still do it anyway. Because win- and Murray, because winning means that much. Winning, getting over that line, they'll do anything in that moment. They'll push themselves beyond limits that they maybe that they. F- they're worried about going over because they don't know what the consequences are whether their bodies might break down whether they might have a mental breakdown whatever it might be and so I think you saw it in that in that fifth set because Nadal went 5-2 up it looked like the job was done Medvedev would not let it go he gets back to 5-4 he breaks him back and honestly I, I sent to you and Matt at the time I said even at even at 5-3 I, I said this not over this because Nadal is I think he's tighter than I've ever seen I mean he's he's a nervous wreck out there and was Daniela said to me as soon as she saw that he was serving with new balls at 5-4 and I'd never thought I when they announced uh, when the umpire announced um, or when I saw Nadal hold up the, the ball to Medvedev as they do when there's new balls I thought great because you know the, the adage is new balls helps the server and Daniela went oh my god new balls because apparently when you're tight and she was she thought same as you Nadal was as tight as she's ever seen apparently new balls is just the absolute worst thing because you they just fly, have no, no control they fly off into the distance yeah. you can't necessarily control them I could imagine I mean <laughs> I can't control them anyway <laughs> but that that's what really struck me is that even with all this going on even as hard as Nadal was pushed he found a way and he went somewhere to get the victory and when he when he won the match when the volley I think it was a volley or a half volley went long from Medvedev he just crumpled in a heap on, on his back 
and he just lay there, didn't he, for 20 seconds. Couldn't he? And, do you know, when I was looking at him, I was thinking, he almost looks like he's out. He almost looks like he's unconscious. And, and, and he's not putting this on. It's just the, the total... I, c- I can only imagine what, what is going through his mind. He, he's got there and he's just gone. He's gone somewhere. He's floating above his own body at that point for, for, for 20 seconds. And so the emotion he showed when he saw that montage, I would imagine is probably a bit like looking at a, a video of your whole life uh, when you were an old person and uh, it, it, you know I'll watch that back I can imagine that was very very emotional I, I'm sure I would have found it so too uh, but truly magical true because that's what it's all about isn't it, it it was one of those moments I completely was not expecting that you know we watched him win 12 we watched him win a 12th at Roland Garros this year and it was it was emotional but it was self-contained he was in control of himself at all times and he was challenged in that final not Medvedev tonight challenged but he was challenged there were moments there when he would have felt tight and he would have felt on the rocks against Dominic Team, and it was just so different to that tonight so different I know exhaustion plays a part I understand how much more emotional you feel when you're exhausted but um, really really took me aback I found that um, arresting mm. in its power I really want to watch it back I didn't see all this I was, I was doing a report on BBC his lip was quivering TV was... and uh, I was, it was, we have this very strange setup in our commentary box we're right at the top of the stadium and, and my colleagues R- Russell Fuller and Jeff Durango and Pat Cash were all commentating live on Five Live and I was at the back of the commentary box I had to face out of the door with my back to the tennis so that the other microphones they were on couldn't pick me up as I described what was going on <laughs> to BBC television uh, as, as a voiceover. Um, so I was explaining to them who'd won and why. Uh, so, yeah, I missed a lot of this stuff, but I really want to see it. So he, um, they do. Th- I think it's the only slam where the, the winners interview, they don't just give them the mic. Is that a mistake? Do yes, you think? it is. I mean, I thought Chris McHenry did a decent job tonight she did what she could because she did what she could because eventually i noticed nadal basically when he was clearly being wrapped up he refused to be he, able he to said, allow himself can to i have one up. more question yeah. can i can I have one more word yeah. and then he proceeded to thank the security guards and yeah. the ball kids and he, and he has a so lovely way that. about that about him in that he and he does, also yeah. he also paid his respects to carrie malami's I think son, um, who uh, I know, Karim Malame a little bit, former former player and tournament director, and well, well, our thoughts are with him as well. Um, he, he is amazing at that stuff, at connecting with people and understanding a moment. And I mean, it really is a privilege to be to be able to to work in this sport, to even witness a sport that has all this going on at the moment. I mean. Even, you know, we're, we're probably going to need another five podcasts to talk about the, the significance of where we stand now in the all-time lists. But in the space of a month and a half, we've gone from Federer nearly being on 21 and Djokovic on 15. And now it's 20 and 16. And now we've got Nadal on a surface other than clay, moving one step closer to Roger Federer and being closer to Federer than he has been since he turned pro in 2004 
Rafael Nadal has more US Opens than Novak Djokovic. That blows my mind. I find that... I mean, I know there's the, the stat about him. Only him, McEnroe, Federer, Connors and Sampras have won four or more. And those are all... Those are all hardcore players, you know. I, I know lots of them, well, all of them. Maybe Connors, maybe Connors aside, you say, were particularly brilliant on grass as well. But they're not players where you'd put hardcore, where, where you'd have any asterisks next to hardcourts for them. Any sort of knee-related or end of se- uh, length of season-related asterisk. I, in my head, still have... A, a residual thought about Nadal of which does not stand up to any scrutiny or analysis but just this instinctive thought of oh he sort of gets worse as the season goes on because of his knees and struggles on hard courts latterly because of his knees and it it's just not the case he has won more US Opens than Novak Djokovic mm. And Novak Djokovic is the best hardcore player in the world and still, he... and has been, and has been for the last six, seven, isn't he, eight, isn't he six, one, seven, eight he's years. He's one behind Roger Federer now, isn't he? In terms of US Open titles, work. Yeah, Federer won right? those five in a row and hasn't won any since uh, 2008. Eleven years, incredible. Um, and also, he's won them in 2010. Three years later, 2013. Three years later, 2000, or four years later, 2017, and then it's another three, two years. It's on. two in the last three years. Yeah. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello Tennis Podcast listeners, David here. Now you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. He's won more Grand Slam titles in his 30s than Federer or Djokovic. I know Federer's been in his 30s a lot longer than Djokovic has, so the Djokovic comparison is probably more um, 
pertinent, but I need to start reframing how I think about Rafael Nadal, I think. And I, it's not that I didn't already think he was brilliant, but wow. I, I just go back to what I said earlier about the, the places he's prepared to go in a match um, and in, in his career because he's been more injured than the other two. Uh, I know that the other two have had injuries, particularly Djokovic has had the elbow, but the, re- the the number of injuries that Nadal has had and he's kept on rebuilding. As, as Matt reminded us in the magnificent notes today, he considered packing in his season after Indian Wells this year. Yeah. He, he, he said that, I think, to the Spanish press quite recently, that it those thoughts very seriously crossed his mind. And I, I just... It's mind-boggling. Let's not forget, as well, we, we, we were really up downbeat after the Australian Open final because we thought it was going to be such an amazing final because he played so well and then he got outplayed by a brilliant Djokovic in that final. But he reminded us that he hadn't had that much tennis. Um, he'd been He'd obviously missed a lot of time through injury. Look at his year. Look at his bloody year. One of his all-time great years. Final of the Australian Open. Is it his best ever year? Won Roland Garros. Semi-finals of Wimbledon. Won US Open. Is this his best ever year? He's won Montreal. I mean... uh, First time he's ever defended a hard-court title. That. Isn't it like all semi-finals are better this year? I can't remember whether he's lost anything before the semi-finals. I I don't think he has. Well, he pulled out of the semi-finals with Federer and Indian Wells, didn't he? Right. Um, but, so, but 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 he reached the semi-finals. Just so unreal! What? Oh he's my gosh! Doing. Is that? I think you might be right. Well, that's rare. <laughs> but okay. <laughs> yeah, we need to do some reframing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Look, Rafael Nadal fans, we are utterly bowled over by your man. And uh, oh, it was—it's been a joy today. In fact, the whole weekend has. It's tennis, just tennis-wise. Take away our, the jobs we get to do and and, and etc. But just in terms of the tennis stories and feel and what we've learnt about these people, it's been a real treat. It really has. Um, what else has happened today? Elise Mertens and Arena Sabalenka won the women's doubles title they beat Victoria Azarenka and Ash Barty Azarenka in her own words had an absolute shocker today she was really annoyed and the Sabalenka Tursanov situation just keeps getting weirder he was presented with a sort of coach of the year award they do like to Um, do that here don't they yeah which is great except that whether he's actually a coach at the moment is a situation that is pending is uh, (laughs) is bizarre and has us all on the edge of our seats. Yes, all. And if you're confused about what we're talking about, go on Arena Sabalenka's Instagram and all yes. will become not clear, but you'll understand the weirdness. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a congratulations to Andy Lapthorne, who beat uh, Dylan Alcott today. And 6-1-6 then, six love. And then teamed up with D- Dylan Alcott to win the doubles. So yeah. he won the quad singles and quad doubles. And Alfie Hewitt won the wheelchair singles and wheelchair doubles. Fantastic. Alongside Gordon Reed in the doubles. So an absolute sweep 
for the boots. Yeah, that's really cool. Events. Very, very cool. Well done, those guys. Um, I, I don't know Alfie. He's, I've met him a couple of times. Seems like a really nice chap, and he's obviously a cracking player. Uh, I know Andy a little bit, and uh, yeah, it's just great. Great stories. Um, the boys' singles has been won by Jonas Foratek of the Czech Republic and he has beaten Emilio Nava who I seem to remember talking about at the Australian Open I can't remember in what context maybe he won it uh, <laughs> <laughs> and a congratulations in the wheelchair singles to Dier de Groot who has defeated uh, Yui Kamiji of Japan the girls Singles, if I can find that. Yes, I can. It, it has been won by Maria. Oh my goodness, I can't wait to pronounce this in live commentary. Maria Camilla Osorio Serrano oh. has oh defeated uh, Alexandra Yepifanova uh, of the United States, uh, 32 in the world, 6 1 6 love. That might be like Rafael Nadal Pereira. Where Could be. when she breaks through to the seniors, just for the just to help everybody out yeah. in the commentary, she'll. I wonder whether she's related to Oscar Serrano, the former. No, he's Spanish there. No, it can't be the same from? player. She's from Colombia. Maybe, maybe it could. Maybe that. I don't Look, know. Colombian fans are cool and fun and. Yeah, I'm really up for a Colombian I, singles player. I could happily waves. have a Colombian singles player yeah. ripping it up. <laughs> I remember watching Alejandro Fire take a two sets to love lead in I the first that. round of Wimbledon on centre court. Yeah, went, that was fun. Went five, didn't it? And Federer won in five. Those were the days. Well, the whole tournament's <laughs> been the days, hasn't it? It has been a one heck of a US Open. Um, can I dare to ask you for a highlight? Oh, my. It's got to be Daniel Medvedev it's, related, yeah, isn't it? D- yeah, Daniel Medvedev's. I haven't seen you, you look guys. happier. <laughs> when you go to sleep tonight, it was because of you that I won. That is my highlight. <laughs> no, come on, Catherine. Your highlight took place last night <laughs> away from the courts. <laughs> mere millimetres away from where we sit right now yeah and tell us what happened I was press ganged into a celebrity selfie I don't do celebrity selfies no. but apparently I make exceptions for canines okay so here's what happened Catherine got her photo taken with Coco the dog which is Bianca Andreescu's dog who was being looked after by Bianca Andreescu's parents um, little did I know that when I saw the dog in the distance I saw this dog and everybody was saying to Catherine who we were with look at that dog Catherine needs cheering up let's go and get a photo with that dog I didn't know that that was Bianca Andreescu's dog from that distance and so I said let's just go and do it Um, so I sent somebody off who dutifully went and alerted these two people that Catherine wanted to have a photo with their dog and meet this dog when I got up there I realised it's Bianca Andreescu's parents. And <laughs> Who I was, are, well, particularly her mum, one of the most recognisable people, <laughs> one of the most easily identifiable people in the Billie Jean King National I, Tennis I, I have no excuse, other than I, I swear to God, I did not know it was them. Because I wouldn't, I, if it had been, if I'd have known, I wouldn't have To done. be clear, neither of us did the asking. We no. were mere passengers in the situation albeit delighted what well, me yeah. well, I 
I went along with it in the moment, but we were we were we were we were along for the ride. Yeah, you, you only have to look on our Instagram page, and you'll be able to see see it in all its glory. Uh, so, Is it not all its glory? Because you fluffed the photo. I didn't do a very good job, but fortunately, somebody I sacrificed else sacrificed all my dignity for a blurry, <laughs> non-flash photo of me with Bianca Andreescu's extended family. I was a bit, I was a bit freaked out. Um, but fortunately, somebody else was on hand to do a rather better job. Um, okay, look, I think that's about it, folks. We've done 15 tennis podcasts over the last couple of weeks, including our preview show. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed them. We have had a ball bringing them to you. It's Look, it is hard work. We're sitting here at near midnight. Um, not looking for sympathy but it is you know we we put it in and i hope you appreciate it we i certainly love doing it i think this the thing here's the thing you know sometimes we come to do the tennis podcast at the end of the night and we one of our other of us or both of us are absolutely exhausted because it you know we, we've we've done a full day um but i cannot think of a night in the 580 episodes of the show that we've done where I haven't ended up feeling better after I've done it and I think that that tells you everything you need to know about why we've done this for so long we've, we're in our 8th year of production A, I quite like talking to this person <laughs> here in front of me about tennis, it's, it's, it's good fun um, we, we love having Matt back home who we can sort of you know, help to bring him along and he's done an incredible job to help us and and you know, we get we get such a lot out of the fact that people, for whatever reason, seem to enjoy this show. And so, our thanks to you for listening, for supporting us, for encouraging us. And we will endeavour to do you proud throughout the rest of the year and produce as many good shows as we can, so that you can just hopefully enjoy them. That's what it's all about. Um, we will be looking to make this even better in 2020. Uh, we have. Uh, our Kickstarter campaign that we use to fund this show every December uh, it'll start on December the 1st if you like what you've heard and want to help us produce the show in 2020 uh, you can you can get a reminder on December the 1st by signing up to a, a little email list that we've got going on now if you scan down on the show notes of your podcast uh, player right now you can you can click on that stick your email address in you'll get only a single email from us on December the 1st um, in order to remind you and when our crowdfunding is 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 often running you know just stick in whatever you think it's worth or whatever you can afford you know there's there's no stress no pressure from us other than to say thank you for for thinking about doing it um, and we are produced in association with the telegraph we are executive produced by tennisballs.com our mascot is the lovely Rio with a Y Catherine is going to have a week of lying in a dark room (laughs) or in the sunshine hopefully better still Um, I'm going to do something rather more energetic with my children uh, and kick a ball around Um, but no it's been it's been a good laugh this hasn't it it's been amazing really yeah I've loved it I've really really loved this US Open it's been something a bit different hasn't it it does feel different I mean this is my 17th one on site and uh, I do feel like I've seen quite a few things that have stopped me in my tracks and you know what you never want to do at these things you don't want to just go through the motions Mm. and I I think if you do it's partly your own fault for a start anyway but there's been a number of things at this tournament that have just made me think wow this is cool and uh, and long may that continue 
So we'll say goodnight to you uh, for the final edition of the Tennis Podcast in 2019. We'll be back with another edition next week. We're going to give you a listener question special if we can figure out a time and place to record it, which we will. And uh, we'll take your questions, which we already have a load of. And uh, then we'll be back with our standard show in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, Loads more to come from us in 2019. Thanks for listening. We'll speak to you soon. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.